You are now listening to the Take a Charge podcast, hosted by Aaron and Adam McCoy. We are back with episode three of the Take a Charge podcast. Today is February 6th, uh, Saturday. Adam, what's going on with your week? I actually had the opportunity to fill in for one of my colleagues who was under the weather, handling new item appointments for all other sweet goods. So got a nice break from bread and rolls and got to take a look at some pies and cakes and all of those breakfast goodies. Riveting. Um, this week is pretty much the same as (laughs) previous weeks for me to just online classes, um, training for basketball. That's pretty much it. Shout out to my guys up at Heidelberg 4-0 right now. I think I saw on Twitter, they tweeted, um, first time since 1983-84 season that they've been 4-0 in conference play. So history history being made right now there um, you go uh last week we discussed uh the super bowl who we thought was going to win um our different thoughts on uh the battle between brady and mahomes so this week we wanted to talk about uh the other stuff uh for the super that the super bowl brings so first off the festivities if you will I did see where Nickelodeon will be airing some of the some of the pregame festivities. I don't think they're uh, playing the actual game on Nickelodeon this year, but maybe the next time CBS has the rights to it. But um, that should be interesting. Um, I'm sure they'll do what they do every year and have like um, a puppy bowl. Well, I don't know if the Puppy Bowl's Nickelodeon, but they'll probably have like the kids on the Nickelodeon shows interviewing the different players and stuff. So those are always those make for some good content. <laughs> well, I think one of the I don't know if they're doing it this year because of COVID, but uh, Jimmy Kimmel with Guillermo. Uh, Guillermo usually goes to the media days for like the NBA finals and the NFL or the Super Bowl uh, media days, but I don't know how they're doing that with COVID. So with the Super Bowl comes all the commercials. And for a lot of people, the commercials are their favorite parts, especially if their team's not in it. I mean, obviously you or I don't really have a dog in the fight here, but it it should be a really good game. So I'm excited about that. But um, with the commercials they've kind of been showing some of them before the game, which I think that takes out some of the surprise for it. Yeah. There are also several big name companies that are not producing a commercial this year. So usually the ones they show ahead of time are like the Budweiser's or the Pepsi's and those are usually pretty consistent. So I don't really care as much if they're showing those beforehand. But now since those companies aren't producing commercials for this year, the news outlets are digging into the actual funny surprises and showing those. So I've tried to stay away from it as much as I can. I did see one from Will Ferrell for GM. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I saw one, um, I think it was for uh, Frito-Lay. That was the, they had like Marshawn Lynch 
narrating a night before the Super Bowl, and it had like Peyton and Eli Manning, and I think uh, Jerry Rice and Joe Montana. But that one looked funny. But for today's episode, I wanted to go through our Mount Rushmore of Super Bowl commercials. So this can be all time or recent or I don't know in your lifetime, but what's your Mount Rushmore of Super Bowl commercials? Well, mine's going to be a little bit of a mix between ones that I was actually present for and ones that were before my time, just because I, I feel like there were some earlier on that deserve a nod in a Mount Rushmore. So as far as those go, I would have to include the iconic Apple 1984 ad on mine we studied it extensively in one of my marketing classes at miami and then the coca-cola joe green advertisement as well the the mean joe green one's a pretty pretty funny one looking back just i mean obviously it's an iconic commercial but how cheesy it is and i think coke kind of made made fun of it a little bit a couple years ago when they had like the coke zero commercials Um, yeah they had troy palomalu on there but that's that's a classic. Yeah, so those are the two that I have that I wouldn't have actually been around for. But in terms of ones that I have witnessed live, so to speak, I have the Old Spice ad from back in 2010, I believe, which was where they first introduced the new Old Spice guy after having Fabio for a Yeah, time. they've had multiple uh, Old Spice dudes yeah, in the past the, few years. The shtick was... Can your man look like me? No. But can he smell like me? Yes. Yeah, that was a good good campaign. I liked it. And then finally, you might have this on yours as well, but the Tide ad. Yeah, the Tide ad is is my first one up on Mount, my Mount Rushmore. Uh, it's got the uh, guy who played Chief Hopper in Stranger Things, and he's basically in every stereotypical Super Bowl commercial. So I think they started out one where uh, he was in the Budweiser Clydesdale commercials and he was like, nope, it's a Tide ad. Um, and then he, I think he was in like the Mr. Clean one, the weird Mr. Clean one with, that they had a few years ago and they brought it back and uh, just having him say, nope, it's a Tide ad. Yeah, the funniest part of that for me was Tide is obviously a PNG brand and they don't usually go too outside of the box and they aren't too willing usually to make fun of themselves, but they did both on that ad and critiqued some of their other brands in a pretty funny way. So that was probably my top one out of my Mount Rushmore, but would love to hear your other three. Yeah. So my next one is um, it was a Volkswagen commercial. I think it was Volkswagen. Uh, it was a pretty long time ago, but it was early 2010s, and it's the kid dressed up as Darth Vader, and he's trying to use the force on like different household appliances. I think um, I haven't seen it in a minute, but he's using trying to use the force on different household appliances, and then finally he's like trying to start the car with the force and the mom or dad in <laughs> inside and is looking at looking at him through the window and as he's trying to use the force they use the remote starter on the key 
and the kid thinks he, the force actually worked and they start playing the Darth Vader theme music behind it. So I thought that was a pretty good commercial. My next one on my list is the Snickers. You're not you when you're hungry uh, with Betty White playing the uh, backyard football. Uh, that was that was pretty funny. That was probably early 2010s, I think. Too. Yeah, a lot of these a lot of these too. are early 2010s. And then my last one, this last one was before my time, but it's definitely a classic. I don't think before a few years ago, I don't think I realized it was a Super Bowl commercial, but the McDonald's commercial where uh, Michael Jordan is playing horse with Larry Bird. Um, I mean, that's just a classic, especially for me. I just, I mean, basketball is my sport and to have two of the goats uh, facing off in a game of horse over a Big Mac meal was pretty funny. When would that one have been from? It's probably early 90s. It was... I think it was towards the later end of uh bird's career so probably like 91 or 92 mm-hmm. around the dream team era yeah that's a solid lineup i would also like to give an honorable mention thanks to all of what we talked about with the stocks and GameStop and everything to the e-trade baby saw that popping up those were those were kind of weird uh, looking back on them those were a little weird i looking back now they're a little weird but in the moment in the moment they were they were pretty funny as a middle schooler you were probably laughing hysterically <laughs> yeah, I, I was i was the target audience for it probably um, or maybe not because it was investing <laughs> who knows so moving on to another mount rushmore uh mount rushmore of super bowl moments so obviously we're relatively on the younger side so we haven't been watching the super bowls probably until the mid 2000s um but there's been some great super bowl moments uh in that time so i kept mine to to ones that i have watched but i don't know i did the same i did the same yeah i think the first one that i remember watching was steelers and seahawks what about for you what's the first super bowl you remember watching I definitely remember watching the Steelers and Seahawks um, and then the Bears and Colts after that. But I think the first one I really like I really was excited for was um, the Patriots and Giants for round round one of their Super Bowls. Um, I had watched the AFC and NFC titles uh, title games a couple weeks before that and I was just really excited to see that that game and see if Brady could go for the undefeated season um, and kind of match that Dolphins team. But it was it was cool to see the underdog and the Giants and Eli Manning to kind of overthrow uh, Tom Brady's rule of the <laughs> 07-08 season. You enjoyed that season so much that you purchased a DVD. Yeah, I watched the, or I uh, bought the, well, I didn't buy it, but I think I got it as a gift was the uh, championship video for the Giants that year. But going into my favorite Super Bowl moments, um, one being from that game, the catch by David Tyree on his helmet, Eli was back in the pocket and was getting rushed and somehow scrambled out of it got was having his jersey pulled somehow got out of it and just threw it downfield and david tyree caught it and 
as defenders were trying to grab it, he pinned it on his helmet and ended up falling down and maintaining possession of it. So they got good field position. And I forget if it was that same drive or not, but Eli Manning later throwing the touchdown pass to Plaxico Burris and ultimately winning the game for the Giants. Um, I think another one of my favorite Super Bowl memories or moments was James Harrison's pick six was pretty cool to see looking back on it, given they use a linebacker and it was all the way from the other end zone, kind of towed the line a little bit on his way uh, in for the score. But that was definitely a cool thing to see. And then uh, Jacoby Jones kick return for the Ravens when they played the 49ers in the Super Bowl. That was coming back from halftime. So it was the first play back. Um, that was the same game as the power outage in the Superdome. But he had a great game. He, had, I think he had another uh, touchdown reception, and the Ravens ended up winning that one. And then finally, uh, it wouldn't be a Mount Rushmore of Super Bowl moments without one from Tom Brady. So I think my last one has to be his comeback against the Falcons, down 28-3. to three. Uh, Me and our mom were at a friend's house watching the game and uh it was getting out of hands so we we're like ah the falcons got this one in the bag so we'll head on home head home early but we get home we turn on the tv to check the score and brady's coming back on him and obviously we all know he came back and won the game so i think that has to be my last one for my mount rushmore what about you yeah, those are some great moments. I debated including the James Harrison pick six in my Mount Rushmore. He's just such a freak of nature, and to go the distance on that was incredible. I did, however, copy you on the Giants moment, Eli Manning to David Tyree, just probably one of the most iconic scenes from a Super Bowl. Obviously, he had another somewhat similar play to Mario Manningham in round two of that matchup. But that one to David Tyree was just incredible. Sticking with the Manning theme, I was a big fan of Peyton Manning's Super Bowls with the Broncos and the Colts for different reasons. With the Colts, it was kind of groundbreaking to see two black head coaches and Tony Dungy and Lovey Smith going at it. Big Tony Dungy fan, happy to see him get a ring back in 07. And then Peyton, I mentioned it last week when we were talking about Kobe, the way he went out, not necessarily his performance. Not the best uh, Super Bowl performance from a quarterback. The, but the stat line wasn't fantastic. Got but the win nonetheless. To show the level of leadership he did that season after multiple surgeries and to go out on his own terms was something I definitely admire. And then finally, more recent memory, one of the most special Super Bowl plays has to be the Philly special. And I was reminded this week that it was even more iconic because the Patriots unceremoniously failed to execute a similar play on one of their previous drives in which Tom Brady didn't necessarily have the wheels or the hands to pull off. But Nick Foles had the receiver glove. He was equipped and ready to go for the Philly special. And it was exciting to see the Philadelphia Eagles win their first Super Bowl title a couple years back. Not saying they practiced it a whole lot, but I'd say the Eagles probably practiced the trick play to Nick Foles more than uh, the Patriots practiced the trick play with uh, Tom Brady 
and probably mostly because they really don't have to run any trick plays with Tom Brady. Um, but I think one of the teams that runs trick plays probably the most, at least out of the last couple of seasons, have been the Browns. Um, you see a lot of the like reverse plays with Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham or ones where they'll get a toss in the backfield and then throw a deep bomb to one or the other. And then you get sometimes when Jarvis will throw a short little pass to Baker Mayfield for a fourth or a third down conversion. Um, but it'll be interesting to see uh, where they go as they gain OBJ back this next season. So moving on from the Super Bowl, um, we touched on the All-Star game for the NBA a little bit last week, but um, news this week, I think they finalized the date as March 7th in Atlanta. And having the All-Star game this year, I, I am excited that they're doing one, but I don't think it's really the smartest decision um, given some of the COVID outbreaks within the league this season. I mean, we just saw last night with Kevin Durant um, started or was warming up and then they decided to hold him out of the starting lineup because of a inconclusive COVID test that he had been in contact with that person and ultimately ended up coming in in the first quarter halfway through played until maybe half halfway through the third only ended up with eight points, but he had five fouls. Um, but then got pulled because that test came back positive. So he's out till Friday at least. And you just get all these games canceled. I know it's been down a little bit this week, but I feel like it's kind of going against all the protocols that they've been putting in place. You know, everybody is got to wear a certain type of mask on the sidelines when they're not in the game or just when they're sitting there and, Nobody can shake hands at half court after the end of the game, but yet now they come out and say they're going to do an all-star game uh, in the at the beginning of March. It, I, I'm interested to see how they go with the protocols during that week, but I, I'm a little concerned. And then you get people like uh, LeBron, Giannis, and Kawhi who have come out and said they don't really understand the NBA having this all-star game um, saying their, their heart uh, is not, would not really be in it uh, given the way things have gone on around the league this year. Um, and I, I completely understand that. I think I, I would agree with that. However, no matter who plays, um, if they have it, I will be fully in tune watching that, watching the dunk contest, three point contest. Um, no matter who's in the game, all-star game is the all-star game and I look forward to it uh, no matter what I just hope that they stay safe and they can continue the NBA season after the weekend yeah it does seem a little impractical to have the all-star game like you said it's somewhat similar to a bubble but not necessarily long term so there's a lot of logistical considerations there about how they would get it to work I think LeBron's comments at first came off a little similar to what he was saying before the NBA restarted their season last year and sent everybody to the bubble when he said that they he didn't want to play without fans and then kind of backed off of that as being a little bit emotionally charged. But 
I do think he has a good point, and I think the players that backed him have a good point that it's a bit of a logistical nightmare and somewhat counterintuitive to what the league has been pushing and what you've been seeing with other players like Kevin Durant. And another thing with uh, LeBron and fans, we kind of saw him getting into it with a couple uh, this past week at the Atlanta Hawks game. Um, This couple was courtside, and uh, the wife went on Instagram after she got kicked out of the game and was saying that LeBron was talking trash to her significantly older husband and uh basically they were beefing and she started to chime in and that ultimately got her and her husband kicked out but i i can't say that i believe that lebron initiated that uh i don't think he's one that would start beef for no reason um but i think it kind of goes back lebron handled it well he's all for fan interaction. Obviously, there's a line that is, you you're, you don't cross as a fan. He's one that said, you know, having any fan interaction uh, is good for the game. And uh, he's one that definitely feeds off of that. We saw it in the game against the Cavaliers with the, uh, I think, Cavs executive sitting courtside was uh, cheering on him missing a buzzer beater at the end of the third and proceeded to come back and beat the Cavs. But I think that whole interaction with the courtside Karen was uh, pretty uh, interesting to see and pretty fun to watch uh, from my perspective, at least. It was a bit annoying at times, but I was glad to see that it was resolved in the end that LeBron didn't really have any real beef with them and both, both of, well, at least the, the wife apologized. Yeah, it's fun to see the different posts on like Twitter of uh, screenshots of the husband's Instagram from probably 2017 or 2016. And he's at Cavs games uh, courtside, like standing up next to LeBron and with captions heckling him. And like he's obviously been a LeBron hater for many years. So that kind of that kind of drives the point that yeah it probably wasn't LeBron that was that was starting the beef uh that game against the Hawks moving on to some gaming news I found out uh on Tuesday that MLB the show 21 is coming to Xbox for the first time after being a PlayStation exclusive for all these years I am very hyped for that given that the last time I played MLB the show was I think 2011 on our PlayStation 2. I currently have an Xbox One and haven't been able to play it for some time. Last year, I was tired of not having a baseball game to play, so I got, I think, basically the the off-brand version of the show, which was RBI Baseball 20. And, I mean, it was fine just to have a baseball game to play, but I'm definitely excited to finally be able to play the show again yeah i missed having the season mode aspect i missed having the creative player aspect of the show it'll definitely be a bit nostalgic for me as we look to play that in the coming months to go back to like you said we haven't had it since 2011 so it will definitely be a throwback and i can't wait to see all the upgrades they've made in the last 10 years and also with the PlayStation game crossing over into the Xbox, they're 
making it available to be a cross-platform availability or online play being cross-platform. So friends that I have that might have PlayStation 4s, I'll be able to play against them on their online. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, More gaming news. EA Sports announced that NCAA, or at least college football, uh, is coming back. Um, They didn't specifically list the NCAA, so I don't know if it's licensed by the NCAA and they're going to have actual college teams, or I'm hopeful that that's what it means. But uh, as of right now, it's only for next-gen consoles, so hopefully by 2024 when they (laughs) roll it out, uh, we'll have some some availability to play it on. So today on February 6th is actually the five-year anniversary of our dad's uh, passing, and we thought it would be nice to talk about his legacy and talk about our favorite memories and sports memories um, involving our dad. Um, and to do that, we wanted to bring in our mom, Cindy McCoy, as our first guest. So, Mom, do you want to start us off by talking a little bit about what you saw um, Dad's interaction with us through sports uh, look like and some of your favorite sports memories with him? Thanks, Aaron and Adam, for inviting me to be your first guest on Take a Charge. And I'm always happy to, to share a little bit about your dad and memories about him and to celebrate his life, especially today. When you're talking about memories, I'm going to go way back on favorite sports memories of when we would clear out the basement and hold our indoor baseball games and use the tigger bat and the sponge ball and the memory of you being a catcher, Aaron, to dad being the pitcher and giving the signs to him. Yep, trying to trying to strike out Adam on the curve. Behind the plate. So that's, that's one of my earliest ones. And then also later on, just seeing your dad, how animated he would become on the, on the bench when he would coach you all, either in baseball, but especially in basketball. And that's where the inspiration for your podcast title comes from where you would see him pop up and instruct your team to take a charge. Yeah. I think one, one thing that comes back to me um, is definitely playing sports in the basement, you know, uh, him hitting ground balls uh, with the little foam or sponge baseball and then playing on the little tykes hoop, uh, having dunk contests, having, games of 21 and then also in the basement uh playing nintendo 64 on saturday mornings um even when it was just me watching uh adam and our dad play madden 97 madden 98 or mario kart it was always fun to just be around you guys uh, on saturday mornings another one of my favorite uh sports memories with our dad was playing basketball one-on-one in our driveway um there's one instance i think um both uh mom you and adam were you were at indiana on a college visit and dad and i were home and 
we ended up playing, I think, one-on-one till it was dark outside. And that was one of the first times I remember like beating my dad in one-on-one. And then we came back in and got something to eat and then watched old Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan Bulls games uh, on NBA TV, one of them being like the one he scored 69, his career high against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then just watching games, I think he ended up falling asleep in the chair and I ended up falling asleep on the couch uh, just watching those games. And that's something I always remember. And then obviously going to going to games and sporting events, um, be, having that ability to go to Reds games and go to some uh, Bengals games and basketball games, it's it's something that I'll, I will always appreciate um, his willingness and ability to um, take time for his family and spend time with us and um, just kind of cherish that family time. Yeah, speaking of Reds games, I feel like some of my favorite sports memories with that came from the Reds games that we were able to attend down at Great American Ballpark and even dating back to going to Synergy. JBP has been home to many memories, some of which including when we had the opportunity to sit on the riverboat in center field, thanks to tickets from a family friend and the Reds, specifically Alex Gonzalez, hit a walk-off double off the center field wall against Cleveland to win that stretch of the Ohio Cup. And we were right there too, so we had a great view of it and it was the atmosphere was crazy after winning that game too. Absolutely, because being so close, you had a lot of Cleveland fans there as well. It was a packed stadium. Certainly missed those. And then we also were there for one of Chapman's first games, and probably the most memorable time was when we went, when they were playing the Blue Jays, just a couple years prior to Dad's passing, and we had the chance to play catch on the field. And I'm certainly glad and thankful that we took advantage of that opportunity looking back. Playing catch on the field, uh, there was one instance uh, during that um, time where I wanted to pretend like I was robbing home runs off the outfield, and I had Dad throwing me fly balls, and I think we ended up losing two or three baseballs into the stands just that I couldn't reach or he threw it over my head, but that was definitely um, one of my favorite moments too. Yeah, and then the last one for me, As you know, I played football all through high school. Dad didn't necessarily know a great deal about football, but was very supportive and always volunteered to be part of the chain gang, the folks that moved the yard markers down the field as teams were driving. And we had one particular instance when I was a senior that fall of 2015, where our game that was scheduled to be at Turpin High School, since we didn't have a home field at the time, was bumped due to a playoff soccer game that Turpin had. And the next closest available field was Western Hills over on the west side of Cincinnati. And for whatever reason, it so happened that the sidelines were flipped for that game. And although we were the home team for the first time ever as a home team, we were on the same side as the chain gang. So dad and some of the other parents And I vividly remember that game because it was the first and only time that I got to communicate with my dad and receive encouragement and tips from my dad during a football game. And he might not have had the the breadth or depth of knowledge 
that he had about other sports in which he coached us like baseball and basketball. But those moments of being able to receive that encouragement from him throughout that game and then going on to win that game ultimately are some of the memories I cherish most. I think one of the things that we can carry with us or or learn from him is no matter what we were doing, he was always invested. So whether that be school field trips or helping us with homework, I mean, there were many nights where he would stay up late with us um, doing math homework and checking our answers with him and teaching anything we might not have learned in class, but he was always willing to become invested in what we were invested in. Um, and I think, I think that's one of the things that I'll remember most about him. Well, I know you both on the podcast talk a lot about sports figures and, and personalities and people that have a, a public platform to where they can make a difference in people's lives and really leave a legacy that's very visible to a lot of people, but I think we all would agree and and have experienced that it doesn't always require that type of stage to leave a legacy and make an impact on people's lives. And I think your dad is a perfect example of that. And I know that he has made a lasting impact on you both. and, And it's evident in your strong faith, your kindness and your work ethic. And I think it's touching that we also hear from so many people whose lives have been touched by your dad and share that with us in a way that in his quiet and and humble way, he, he influenced their lives and continues to do so. And I think your cousin Abby may have summed it up best at his celebration of life when she shared her thoughts and ended it by saying that we should all do something similar to what the University of Notre Dame sign for football says to play like a champion today, but replace that with play like Matt McCoy today. I wholeheartedly agree and think that we can take those lessons with us in whatever we're doing, whether that's me currently in my job with Kroger, Aaron playing basketball at Heidelberg as a student athlete. And I think that's one of the major lessons he taught us throughout his time as a coach and as a father. He certainly, if you asked our main baseball coach, would tell you that he was a an animated guy, as you said, when things would get competitive, when he would want to hype up our team and help us to feel that encouragement to get over the hump and know that we could do our best. I think that's part of why I cherish so fondly the the game balls that I won playing baseball with him as one of my coaches. But I do think that it extends far beyond baseball, far beyond any sports, and ultimately leaves us with lessons that we can take into every facet of our lives. So he passed away during our basketball tournament um, when he was coaching my team in eighth grade. Um, we had played that morning and then he passed away that evening and we were in the semifinal game and we kind of took the, the play like Matt McCoy, um, mantra and 
we had we kind of changed the wording a little bit but it was it was play like coach mccoy because that's how a lot of my friends knew him um playing for him and that him coaching them so with basketball we just said let's play like coach mccoy let's do the little things take charges hustle and dive on the floor and just like play with uh nothing to lose because in the games we played we weren't really the top team we were kind of the underdog in the previous game we had played and especially going up um in the championship game we ended up making it to the championship game and losing in overtime or double overtime but it was definitely a game where we shouldn't have been in that game and i think we just were like you know let's let's do this for him let's just give it our all and we ended up losing by one i think but it was just i think the way we played was kind of a testament to the stuff that he taught us the stuff that he coached us on and how he would want us to play so thank you guys for listening to today's episode of Take a Charge. Um, listen to all our episodes on Spotify and YouTube. Um, let us know what you think, what kind of topics you want us to discuss in the future, and have a great week.